Hello and welcome to the Forum Club, the weekly Lakers podcast from The Athletic. And uh, guys, this is the this is basically the podcast we were born to do. If you listen to the Forum Club, the weekly episode of the Forum Club, obviously, um, Jovan Buha does a nightly uh, version after games and some other periodic episodes. But the weekly podcast is always me, Bill Orem, with Jovan Buha and Anthony Slater. And if you know Anthony Slater, you know that he happens to be the Golden State Warriors beat writer for The Athletic. And you might wonder why a Lakers podcast has a Warriors beat writer on it every single week. And the answer is, well, for moments just like this, in preparation for this exact situation, that and he also knows a lot about basketball. We just like talking to him because he's a nice guy. But the Los Angeles Lakers, you're probably a fan of that team if you're listening to this podcast, is playing in the play-in game. Wednesday night against the Golden State Warriors to determine the seven seed in the postseason in the West, which makes our friendship and collaboration with Anthony Slater um, more valuable than ever. So I want to welcome in Anthony Slater, a regular member of the Forum Club, but this week a VIP member of the Forum Club. Jovan, let's give it up for Anthony Slater. We're, we're talking about the 1-8 Lakers-Warriors, right? The 1-8 series? No. Not quite anymore. Seven, eight playing. It's fun, though. Unbelievable. Not what we might have expected if you told us in the preseason we'd be seeing the Lakers and Warriors in the postseason, that's for sure. I thought the you know, the funny thing is, this is where the Warriors probably, you know, it was a rocky road to get here, but at the same time, if we were talking preseason, I would have been like six, seven, eight, maybe probably play in bracket. You know, maybe they can squeak in and face the the vaunted Lakers and like I said, the one eight, but no, it's seven eight. It's actually a bad break for the Warriors. Um, to be honest. Like they really were looking like Portland maybe get down there. Like they mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, I mean, they kind of this is their free swing, uh, and they've proven that they could probably beat the Grizzlies or Spurs at home Friday. So they have that as a kind of like the safety net. But Yovan, I think, laid it out too in, uh, in his podcast. But this is very valuable for you know, like you want to be on this two seven side, right? You want to be on the side with you get Phoenix, and then you're you're with uh, Portland and Denver compared to on the Clippers side and facing Utah in the first round. So. Um, that's more important for the Lakers because they actually have title aspirations. The funny thing with the the, the Warriors want to make a little noise. Honestly, the Warriors season is a, becomes a success if they beat the Lakers on Wednesday. Immediately, they've mission accomplished essentially. Yeah, you know it's it, it's funny. Like I think the Lakers could conceivably get to the finals, really, regardless of what happens tomorrow. I think that they have that kind of firepower and are, are good enough. It could happen either way, but. If you're the Lakers, you want no piece of that 1-8 against the Jazz and then the Clippers and then whatever is left in the conference finals. I mean, that is – I think Jared Dudley got roasted a little bit for his comment that the Lakers returning to the finals from the play-in would be the, the, the greatest challenge any NBA team has ever faced. But I'll tell you what, that becomes a little more um, believable if you start imagining them having to go through the number one Utah Jazz, the Clippers, and then potentially you know the Suns in the conference finals just to get to the finals. It does become a lot stiffer of a, of a road. So I, I I think you know this is not do or die or necessarily uh, an elimination game for the Lakers, right? It's not sudden death, but them losing to um, the Warriors would be, a, I think, a pretty significant setback in, in terms of their championship hopes. Let's get Jovan in here. Jovan, you broke down the, the, the Lakers' title path. Obviously, I think we all agree that it's pretty imperative for the Lakers to win this game on Wednesday. Uh, what do you think is going to need to happen for them to get it done? 
For me, it's it's all about how they defend Steph Curry. I think that's the thing that's going to determine whether this is a close game or whether this is a Lakers blowout. And, um, you know, I, I went through uh, on Synergy and, and rewatched all of Steph's possessions against the Lakers. And I have to say, um, Dennis Schroeder defended him, like, reasonably well, you know? Um, like, I, I, I was – he defended him, I, I think – Looking at the matchup data, it was like almost 15 minutes, which was one of the the highest times against Curry this season. And I I think he held him to something like 6 of 19 shooting or or somewhere in that range. And of course, that matchup data isn't exact. And, you know, how they calculate who's the closest defender and all that stuff is is a little wonky sometimes. But just watching the film, I was impressed with Dennis's ability to navigate screens. He's as quick, if not quicker than Steph. Um, so he was able to kind of parallel his, some of his movements. And, you know, you, you would think that they'd probably go Alex Caruso or, or KCP more on Steph, but it was actually Dennis who, who was the guy who defended him primarily. So um, I think just how they negotiate the the different looks of the, there'll probably be some switching, there'll be some blitzing. Um, I mean, they better not do drop coverage uh, against Steph in the pick and roll, but like just kind of how they approach drum and his, drop coverage. No, yeah. no, no. Well, drum and drop coverage? in Detroit, he was doing that against Steph. <laughs> but I think we we saw it last postseason with the Lakers, where uh, against Dame and James Harden, they implemented that trapping scheme where they were really effective at basically the second those guys crossed half court, they were doubling, they were trapping, and then they were scrambling and rotating on the backside. Golden State is well equipped to handle that with Draymond Green as that release valve or having another guy on the weak side kind of coming up. Like Golden State has been handling that type of coverage for five, six years now. So if there is a team that can exploit that better than Houston or Portland can, it is Golden State just with their reps of years and years and years of handling that. Um, so to me, it's just it's all about that because on the like on the Lakers side, yes, Golden State is a good defense. I just think LeBron and AD or LeBron and AD and um, you know Draymond can't guard both of them. And I think the Lakers are going to have a, a massive advantage on the offensive glass. They, looking at the season series, they out-rebounded the, the Warriors on average of 20 rebounds a game, which is just like, looks like a typo. They're plus 60 in the rebounding. So I think and that was before they had Andre Drummond. Yeah. So, right? th- so it's like th- they're going to win the rebounding, I think. Um, it's it just to me like, how do they defend Steph, and are they better suited? Like, this to me is a game they're probably better suited just going 80 at the 5. And, and I'm interested to see, like, how does Andre Drummond defend Steph in the pick-and-roll? How does Marcus Gasol defend Steph in the pick-and-roll? Because this is as hard as it gets in, in terms of pick-and-roll coverage for a big. It's a uh, it, it's a full shot clock job to guard Steph Curry. You mentioned the, the trap, get it out of his hands, that, that teams love to do with Harden and Lillard. Uh, sometimes that plays into the Warriors' hands because you get it out of his hand, you get it to Draymond Green, who literally is, was fourth in the NBA in assists this season, and then Steph scatters away. And a lot of times it's just a natural rea- uh, you know uh, reflex for defenders to believe – we trapped the star. We got it out of his hands. Job done over here. Let's go do our job elsewhere. Steph Curry will just see you relax, and then he'll scatter over, and like that's when he gets his threes a lot of times. And that's where you're correct on Schroeder. Schroeder has guarded him uh, better you know, on the off-ball action than, than most guards. Now, my question with Schroeder, because like I said, it's a cardio thing and it's an agility thing, which Schroeder's very good at it, but... Where are his lungs at? Where is his, you know, timing and, and rhythm at on, on a basketball court? And just, 
uh, connection with the Lakers franchise in general right now. You know, I mean, you guys can answer that better than me, but if Schroeder's not up to the test, and it is like it is a super test of just cardiovascular and uh, commitment, discipline on the defensive end. Do you think like Dennis Schroeder, who basically played what one game in two weeks, one game in May, uh, is up is up for that? It's a really interesting question because Jovan, I don't think we've gotten a great sample of what where Dennis Schroeder is at. The Lakers' last two games were, I mean, kind of a farce, right? They played that in, they played an Indiana team, and then and then they went down and played New Orleans, playing absolutely nobody. And and so you know, Schroeder hasn't hasn't had a lot asked of him yet. And so you know, we don't know. I, you know, I thought he, I think he's looked fine. I think he's looked you know kind of normal in those two games, but it, they haven't been particularly. Um, grueling tests um you know he hasn't been required to play 48 minutes of defense against a, an elite you know lead guard so i'm not sure um that we know the answer to that and you know he has sort of dismissed his you know nearly two week absence in the health and safety protocols he you know acted like it hasn't it wasn't a big deal um and he also i mean perplexingly i mean this was all very public and on and on social media said that he didn't test positive for covid so you know, you're kind of alluding to, you know, making the assumption that he had COVID, which I think we all have done, but then he said he didn't. So there's still some confusion over what he has physically gone through over the last couple of weeks. If he had COVID and didn't have symptoms, which would probably be the best case scenario if you were going to be out for that long with the health and safety protocols to be able to come back and, you know, maybe maintain your conditioning while you're away from the team and then hit the ground running. We just don't know. And so, I mean, I do think that adds sort of an element of um, intrigue to this matchup because, you know, he's only played those two games. He didn't, I think he practiced Friday with the Lakers before they headed to Indianapolis, I believe, and, you know, got a little practice in and then played in a back-to-back. So, um, you know, he's looked okay, but it hasn't, you know, anyone could have looked okay in those games. Yeah, it's tough to gauge because, as you guys are saying, like, he's going to have to play, what, 33 to 35 minutes, and he hasn't even cracked 30 minutes since he's been back. And, again, those were two kind of uh, – games against lottery teams without their full complement of players. So Lickers, I I don't know. I'm really interested, though, to see this to me. And and I I tried to get an answer out of Frank Vogel on this, and and he kind of dodged it. But but then LeBron sort of alluded to it. Like, the the play-in tournament is really interesting because it's like a game one mashed with a game seven. Where uh, And and LeBron was like, usually in a game one, I like to feel out a team, kind of try to figure them out. and, And then... But it's not really a game one because the stakes are if you lose, you're now, you know, potentially the eight seed or eliminated from the playoffs. So it has kind of some of that game seven urgency. And I'm really interested to see, like, we've talked about this for weeks now where the Lakers have been sort of force feeding the Andre Drummond experiment, uh, experiment rather, um, whether it's worked or not. Like, you know, even when he's struggling, he's still getting his 20, 25 minutes a night. And, and when the rubber meets the road and their season is potentially on the line, like, is Frank Vogel going to trust Andre Drummond for 15-plus minutes? Or is this going to be a situation where, you know, he, he doesn't show high enough on a couple screen and rolls against Steph? Steph hits a couple threes and it's, hey, Andre, you're out of there. 80's at the five. Or Mark, you're in to, to defend Steph in the pick and roll. Like, how does Frank Vogel handle that? Because... It's also before the playoffs have even started, so we're kind of in this in-between weird period. So I, I'm just fascinated to see how Frank Vogel counters, and that to me will show kind of where he's at 
confidence-wise with certain guys. Valish, I think that's such an interesting that's such an interesting point. Just because I think we've all we've ta- in past weeks on this podcast talked about we expect Frank Vogel to not be afraid to make the changes he needs to 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 win a series, and and we expect that to happen at the bigs. And we've seen it in past years or last year when AD goes to the five or or whatever. Would he really play that card in literally the first postseason matchup? You know, kind of this this between between regular season and postseason matchup to lock up the seven seed, which I think we all agree is vitally important. You should do you should you should treat it as a game seven. Um, but would you really start AD at the five? I, I I don't think he'll go that far, but I think he'll have a pretty quick um, a, a, a pretty a pretty short leash. I think you, think, you think you think. That, that takes some chutzpah that I'm not sure that you wanted that you necessarily I wanted to deploy. With you that he, I don't think he will, but I think he should. There's just the, the, that it is the kryptonite to this Andre. Warriors team. I know it does, but like that's like if 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 you want to win this game against the Warriors for sure, that is the kryptonite to this Warriors team. They're playing super small eight man rotation. They kill centers. Look, they just played Jonas Valanciunas in, in in basically what was a play into the play, and it was a similar type vibe. Of like, gotta win this game. Valanciunas, I think, had like twenty nine and sixteen. Mauled him on the offensive glass. He's really at this point of both of their careers a better version of Andre Drummond. But he was like minus thirteen in his court time because he just kept making defensive mistakes. And it's not like Taylor Jenkins was saying we're doing drop coverage. He just kept kind of naturally wanting yeah. to sag in. They do quick split action and the Warriors off ball action with their small lineups is like so quick and and it's just quick screens and Steph needs a second just a little window to get a three off and if you look at his threes in that game it's all Valashunas you know it's not all Valashunas but it's a lot of his breakdowns and you know you you let Steph get three threes in the first six minutes the complexion of the game changes you might lose because of that where if you set the tone start Davis at the five which is like it's a small ball cheat code, right? I mean, that's what it is. You have a center. It's been the Lakers' best lineup for two years. Yeah, yeah. And and particularly against this team, you know, this isn't them going small against the Nuggets in Game Three. As it's like you're going against a team that is thriving on small ball, and you're saying we're just better at it than you because we have superstar small ball players. So you know, the Warriors kind of knew too with obviously Draymond step, but it's different. I just think. I don't think Vogel will do it. And look, they're they're probably going to start drumming. They're probably going to win. So maybe that is the right play for like locker room politics. But if you really are just like, I want to win this game, it should be so much AD at the five. Jovan, could they get away with a few minutes of drumming at the beginning just to try to avoid, I mean, to, 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 to politically, you know, play your cards or, I mean, how how many minutes can they get away with it, with with Drummond at the five? I, I I don't know, and and if I understand the Warriors' rotation correctly, uh, Steph kind of rests in the beginning of the second and fourth quarters. Yeah, and Looney's going to start, so they're not full small to start to start. But honestly, like they play a small style with Kevon Looney out there. It's basically forty eight minutes of a small style with like Draymond Green playing point forward. It, it, they're a very odd team. Um, you know, it's just a mix you don't get. Uh, but yes, to Jovan's point, the, the time to really go after them is the start of the second and fourth quarter. Now, Kerr is, is shortening that because it's playoff time. So it'll probably be like the first four to five minutes, maybe even six minutes of the second quarter unless it's going very poorly. And then probably the first four minutes of the fourth quarter. Because that, that, that's when I would say like Drummond can play those minutes and just go, 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 go be big, go attack the offensive glass, go do your you know Jonas Valanciunas impression go maul them but when Steph's on the court I just don't 
I don't love Andre Drummond or Trez in this match. I mean, even Marcus Gasol, and I'm clearly a, a Marcus Gasol supporter. I I still think even he, you know, like watching the film, he he was in the right places, and Steph was still getting a shot up. Like that's just even AD. Like Steph, I mean Steph, Steph, he's gonna do what he does. But I just think you need to decrease that margin for error, and I don't love like. Like, the, I don't know, but I think to our like kind of larger point, it's just going to be interesting to see how Frank manages all of this because I think like if he does bench Andre Drummond, like that's kind of starting the playoffs on a, on a weird foot. And, and you know, the, the, the Phoenix matchup, like I, I guess he can play against Aiton, but the, then the deeper you start going, I think he's going to have a smaller and smaller role. So I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, but we'll we'll see for the first. I mean, we're not even talking about Montrezl Harrell here, who's kind of been the other guy we've been talking about recently. Like, what's his role going to be? Is he going to be benched? Is he the third guy uh, in the center spot, um, or now the fourth guy if AD is playing at the five? So a lot of interesting rotation questions, and and you know the Lakers aren't going to play thirteen guys, and, and we've seen over the past few games they've shortened the rotation. Keith has been on the outside looking in. Trez has been on the outside looking in. Uh, ben McElmore didn't really play the last couple games. So it looks like they already have their nine to 10 guys. Um, but I, I'm very interested to see Frank's hook with, with the, the centers and, and just kind of how he handles all of that. Slater, give give me a matchup that is away from kind of the obvious that you think could could swing this game. Or give me a give me a give me a player from the Warriors. Um, the highest paid, least talked about human on the planet. Uh, Andrew Wiggins makes thirty one million dollars and has had a good for him. By the way, that is incredible. Good for his great 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 grandchildren. Yes, um, he's had a good season for Andrew Wiggins. Now he is. If he went on the open market, would he get thirty one million? No. Probably get about 18 to 20. Like, he's a really solid now two-way wing. He had 38 the other day in a win over the Suns. Career high from three uh, this season. And they're trying, you know, they're trying to give him buzz as an all-defensive second-team wing. He's not going to make the all-defensive second team. But you won't laugh me out of the building for even suggesting that. That's the type of defensive season he's had. He has their primary defender for the fifth-best defense in basketball. He's guarded Bradley Beal well. He's guarded Damian Lillard well. He'll guard Kawhi Leonard well. He will guard LeBron James. Um, And that's, you know, as we talk about matchups, the type of night he has. Because he is there, you know, plays every game, plays 40 minutes, um, kind of steady. He's the guy that he's kind of their secondary slasher where a lot of the action, as you'll see, is kind of going on with Steph over here and they'll swing, swing, and it's a catch and go. And, you know, he's he was the number one pick for a reason. I mean, he's super athletic, bouncy, can get to the rim, and he can have nights. And if he has one of those nights against the Lakers, uh, it's a different game. And historically, you ask the people in Minnesota even, his, his what, six, seven years there, he's played LeBron James well because he's motivated against LeBron James because LeBron James traded him. LeBron James went to Cleveland. They took Andrew Wiggins first overall. Uh, and actually, you know, Andrew Wiggins was in the Cleveland Cavaliers Summer League, and he's wearing Cavaliers jersey. And then, like, July 9th that year, LeBron does the, the letter with Lee Jenkins, doesn't mention Andrew Wiggins. That was a big thing. And then they traded him for, for Kevin Love a little bit later. And you talk to people, you know, Andrew Wiggins has, has uh, one of the biggest criticisms in his career has been, uh, you know, what type of motivation does he bring to the arena and energy on any given night? It's never been an issue against LeBron James teams. Um, and I expect him to have some juice. Now, LeBron's better than him, but Wiggins on any given night can look like a $31 million per year player. And, and that could change the game if it's one of those, one of those games. 
Jovan, you got to pick on the Lakers side. I guess Kyle Kuzma. Um, you know, he, I feel like he is tailor made for this matchup of, of just going smaller, but but you know, re- retaining some of that size. Um, I feel like he's been a, a little up and down lately as far as just his shooting and offensive contributions. I, I still think he brings it on the glass defensively and. As we've seen over the past year and a half or so, like his role has transitioned in LA, where he's no longer looked at as that third guy or, or whatever. But I think he's a guy who, um, you know, when, when we project out their playoff rotation, he's in that top seven. Um, that he, we we expect him to be a nightly bench staple. Um, so I I think this is a matchup for him. Another guy I, I guess is, is Wes Matthews, and I, I think he's. He he to me is. You'll love is, that answer. <laughs> you just took my you took my answer. Now I'm gonna have to like make a case well, well, for Alex you can, Caruso. You make, I was gonna say Wesley Matthews. I, I, no, I mean, I mean, go ahead. I just I just think that like the Lakers need the Lakers need defenders in this matchup. They need they need defenders who can recover, who can get out to the wings, who are are not gonna cheat. And I think Wesley Matthews, you know, who has been shooting well enough to def- to justify himself, on, to just justify being on the floor. He shot the ball really well over the last seven games. I think. Like I think that you know he has carved out an important role in this kind of matchup where the ball is going to be you know zipping all over the court and 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 Draymond's going to be operating out of the high post. You need you need um, somebody like Wesley Matthews to who can kind of stay home and 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 fill his role and and also knock down some shots. I think that's going to be really important. I think Wesley Matthews and KCP both are going to have pretty you know are going to are them doing their jobs nothing fancy but doing their jobs is going to be really important for how they for the Lakers getting out of this matchup. Yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you a key. I think a- Anthony Davis just like aggression, uh, aggression level. Yeah. Because Draymond Green is going to be there, and he's going to be in him. And Draymond Green is going to be roaring in his face. Draymond Green is probably going to pick up an early foul, yell at the referee, like he's going to announce his presence. And Anthony Davis's response to that, you know, is it is it one of those nights where Davis is like, "Oh, I'm I'm here for this, and I have more talent than you, Draymond Green, and you may defend me well, but I'm just going to shoot, you know, a little twelve footer over your face. At one point, I'm going to body you up and get a dunk because you know he he probably is forty pounds heavier than than Draymond Green." Um, but Draymond Green's going to test if it's kind of one of those floating Anthony Davis nights, which you guys know well. And if it is, like, there's a chance Draymond Green outplays Anthony Davis, and that changes the game. Isn't it possible? And, I, I mean, you know, this Lakers team, I think we all agree, has way more talent, you know, is is much more poised They're for deeper. a deep run They're than deeper. the Warriors. For, I mean, just no question. But But there is a chance. I mean, you've got – the championship pedigree on this Warriors team. You have the edge of Draymond Green. They're well coached. They know who they are. You, the Lakers are favored, obviously. Um, you know, I expect a Frank Vogel team to come in focused and disciplined and you know motivated. But is it possible that the Warriors might come in a little more motivated? I mean, there's more on the line for the Lakers, but don't the Warriors kind of feast on the idea of coming in and just ruining the Lakers day. And I mean, especially Draymond, yeah. like you're talking about Draymond getting into AD and throwing him off this game mentally. Like I can see that sort of being a way that the Warriors can sort of disrupt the Lakers in this matchup overall. Yeah. Well, they're at different stages of their season. Like the war, the Warriors late season run has led up to this moment. And like I said earlier, like they beat, they win this game. 
I think the fan base kind of chalks what has been a roller coaster up as a, as a success of a season. Um, you know, with no Clay Thompson and, and and low moments this season where it looked like they might not even get in the play in, and suddenly they've gone fifteen and five in their last twenty. They've developed a small ball ball identity. They're playing an eight man rotation. They have the best defense in the in the league the last I think month. I think they might have the number one net rating in the last month, and they're just like they're they're in complete rhythm. They're about playing as well as they could play right now. Now that if if you expect them to go on a deep run, no, they're too thin. They're going to get tired. They're just small. Like they're I I think if they got in and played Utah or Phoenix, I would pick Utah or Phoenix. But it's a very different you know moment than the Lakers, right? The Lakers are are at this beginning stage of what they want to be a long run and they're kind of rusty and they're, and they're kind of trying to discover themselves so i just don't think they're meeting the the warriors at the correct time for a one game you know if this was a seven game series i could see the warriors winning game one and we're still talking after like lakers probably still gonna win the series but as we've talked about like you know this is one game and bill you made the point last week like the lakers lost game one to portland yeah they lost game one to houston and then they won both series 4-1. But you lose game one to this Warriors team that, that is going to be geared up for it. Well, then you go play for your lives against, like, Memphis. Uh, Jovan, let's I, – I, I, okay. well, go ahead, Jovan. Go, go up for what you're saying. I, I was just going to say, another thing I, I find interesting, and you know, just thinking about you bringing up Anthony Davis and his aggressiveness, um, AD only played in, in one of the three games, and the – game that he played in that they lost at home that was that early season like a couple weeks in um and 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 then the the two games he didn't play in uh were laker blowouts and um everyone else played in all you know lebron played in all three steph draymond um but i remember towards like in the second half fourth quarter of that game the lakers just force feeding ad and him going one-on-one against draymond or, or going up against double teams and not handling it well. And that was sort of right when we were sort of discovering AD was not AD to start the season. And, and that was, I think, one of those games where it was just like, okay, he doesn't. So I think I'm going to look it up here. He had, what, tw- 17 points, 6 of 16 shooting. Uh, he had 17 rebounds. So he did pound them on the glass. But it, it just, it, I don't know, it, it wasn't AD. So I, I think we're also kind of going to this. Green, relatively green where these teams haven't played in, in two months we haven't seen you know that first two weeks of the season the lakers have changed their rotation you know tht wasn't playing as much mark was the starting center like things are much different now for for both teams wiseman and is a big member wiseman, how bad wiseman yeah. was in the lakers yeah. matchups he's gone i remember him coming off and wasn't that when Draymond got got in his face and Wiseman? Yeah, like, it was like yeah. the mic'd up segment. Card with, or he threw it over yeah. to Wiseman and like Wiseman wasn't looking in transition, and then he was like right in Mark. Basically, Marcus Sol was right there. He's like, "You could take Marcus Sol. I trust you every time." I don't know. It was like it was really weird. But Wiseman wasn't good against the Lakers. Montrez Harrell killed him in one matchup. Gasol killed him in another. It was just he wasn't ready for that stage. And that Great. the fact is, him getting hurt is not good for their long term view. But it has. It's simplified and helped them this season. So that is what's yeah, very simplific- different. Simplification is key, and it's not something the Lakers did as we're sitting here talking about <laughs> Andre Drummond's feelings on whether or not he starts this game. Um, so, Slater, you kind of laid out the path you know, for the, for the Warriors to win this game and you know what would happen if they went on and played the Suns or Jazz. Probably doesn't matter. They'd probably lose either way. I want to flip that. Jovan, how do you view – the 
what cha- how do you, how does your belief in the Lakers' ability to get to the finals change if it's the seven two path versus the eight one path? Like, what's your what's your degree of confidence in them to get through the West if they lose this game on Wednesday? Uh, it, it definitely takes a hit. Um, I, I I would I don't know what my confidence level is right now. Uh, I haven't because I it's just so much so many variables have changed with this team on a day to day game to game basis that. It's like, you know, I can tell you right now I'm an 8 out of 10 on them getting out of the West, but then they lose the play-in game or they have a tough series with Phoenix and I might be like a 6 out of 10. So I, I just, I don't know. Uh, I do I really yeah. do think the, the playoff path broke in their favor because, um, you know, I, like I think Phoenix is a great matchup. LeBron and AD each only played w- once against them, but in, in the game that they played, they absolutely destroyed them. Uh, so, I, you know, they, they combined for 80 points uh, across the two of them. So I, I just I think that's a horrible matchup for Phoenix. They cannot guard the front court. But then looking at the next round, like Denver, Portland, I, I think either one of those is a five game series where the, the Lakers crush them again. And it's just the front courts can't match up with, with L.A. So looking at that versus Utah, you have Rudy Gobert, defensive player of the year, probably going to be unanimous or should be manning the paint. And we, we know what type of matchup problems he, he creates just with his size and, and everything. And then looking at the next round, if they advance past Utah, like the Clippers, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Beverly, uh, we, we can make all the jokes, but like those are all really good defensive players. So those teams just have different levels of, of defensive caliber guys that can match up with LeBron and AD. So I think it's a much more difficult path. Like I, I guess confidence wise, it would knock me down 20, 25% from wherever I'm at. I guess I'm still trying to figure that out, um, but per, like I, I, I think I would still pick them over Utah. I think that's a six or seven game series. Um, the Clippers is well. like, and also you have to factor in though. Like, I would rather play Phoenix in the first round if I'm the Lakers than Utah, just because if I'm figuring out my rust, I at least know I have this massive physical advantage against Phoenix that you don't have. Like, you can kind of work through your rust when you have that athleticism advantage, yeah. but with, with Utah, it's I mean, you can't mess around with Utah. Like a lot, a lot of the things we're talking about, the Warriors, like they do it with their guards and wings, where you, you know, cuts and different things. Like you'll get burned by them. So I, I don't know. I think it's a much tougher path. But I think I, at this point, I would probably still pick the Lakers over any team in the West until I'm wrong. But I would feel much less confident in that path versus the seven seed. The, and that's also them losing to the Warriors, which kind of shows that they're just, sure. in, yeah. you know, not, not infallible, not sharp right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, um, it's tough because coming into the year, I think we felt like, you know, the Lakers were going to be fa- favored over anybody and, and would, would be the favorite in any series, even if it would be close. But the, the idea of having to go on the road to Utah and then having a series against the Clippers. 11,000 fans in Utah, I heard. It's a lot. Yeah, it's 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 just it's just a it's just a tough path, but I I, I think I think Jovan you're probably right. Like I think you'd give them the edge in any series kind of in the moment going into it, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I to me it's just it's the difference between me being pretty certain they're getting to the conference finals versus me not being able to say with certainty they're getting out of the first round. Like I think you know, it goes for, it goes from me being really confident they're getting to the conference finals, if not the finals, to they could lose in the first round. That's that's what that's what hinges on Wednesday to me. Doesn't mean they would lose in the first round, but I think I think it'd be it's pretty plausible they could. Especially if they're still 
coming together and figuring things out. Uh, anyone see a scenario where the Lakers lose both games and their season ends by Friday? LeBron James comes up limping in the first quarter and is like, I can't go. Well, and, and okay, so we joke, but not implausible again. We saw him go down in the fourth quarter, uh, still in the game for some inexplicable reason on Sunday, and you know rolls his ankle and he comes off and he seems fine. Jovan, you were on that Zoom call also where he was. He said he was going to be fine, and then he was asked what that meant, and he said, "I'm fine" means I will be in the lineup on Wednesday. Did that give you confidence in the state of his ankle? Ah, it's it's so hard to say because I mean he, he he did look good, especially that Indiana game where he, he has that lob and and I thought he was rotating well defensively. He he was going downhill in the pick and roll and throwing lobs to AD and I guess eighty two as Drummond gets to go to the Penguin, whatever you want to call him, big Penguin. Um, so like I, I thought physically he looked pretty good in in both Indiana and New Orleans until that, um, but. I mean, that's kind of the risk. And, and that's to say nothing of Anthony Davis, who seemingly goes down once a game uh, with, with some type of, you know, grabbing his... I mean, e- even in that game, th- there was a, 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 uh, a collision that he had where he grabbed at his Achilles. And I was like, oh, crap. Like, what what happened here? So, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the thing with the Lakers is... Um, th- I mean, th- this whole season, we, we've kind of had the same sort of mentality of like, if they're healthy... We're probably going to pick them against anybody, but they have not been healthy. There's no guarantee they're going to be healthy, and without knowing that, it's it's hard to be fully confident in this team. You know, that being said, I I, I like the way they played the last couple of weeks. They're entering the playoffs with a five game uh, win streak, and I, I expect them to beat the Warriors. And if they beat the Warriors, then um, I expect them to then beat the Suns. So I, I think it, it just like th- this honestly is is the hardest thing for them like i think this game is is going to be more important and harder than phoenix or denver portland just because of the stakes it's it's a one game scenario steph is capable of going off for 45 50 and if he does that you you are playing for that 8 seed so um i think I, i'm really interested to just see how things play out tomorrow Okay, guys. Well, I think this is probably going to be pretty straightforward, but since we've come this far, let's at least get everyone on the record for what you think is going to happen. Uh, If you can give me a little more detail than just your pick, maybe give me a little spice on maybe a result and then something else we'll see in the game. One promised uh, event or moment that you think we'll see in the game. Something to add some spice to your pick. We'll start with you, Slater. Lakers and the under. There's my spice. If you're a betting person, uh, these are very good defenses. Uh, this is the number one defense in basketball, the Lakers, and what has been the number one defense in basketball the last two months, really, uh, the Warriors. And I think it's going to be a grind, and you know it's going to be physical. And I, I think the Lakers are going to get into Steph, and I think LeBron will kind of be. I'm sure he's in the film room now. You know, like just diagramming all the Warriors plays and telling Caruso, like, you know, whatever. If you get two quick fouls, like, it's fine. Uh, that type of stuff. And I just – I think it's going to be like a – you know those game sevens, you know, the legendary Kobe one where it was like 6 of 24 shooting. But the, just those type of environments oftentimes lead to great defense, bricked shots, and then I think it'll be pretty close. But, I you know, I think the Lakers will just pull ahead. They're bigger, stronger, deeper, and – I would assume are going to be desperate enough to win this game. Mr. Buha. Uh, I, I got Lakers by 13. Whew. 
That'll hit. Vegas. Vegas. Uh, Vegas. I also... This segment brought to you by BetMGM. Yes, yes. I'm also going to say Steph breaks out of his 16 for 77 shooting from three in his last... We didn't talk about that. The Staples Center curse. His last eight games against the Lakers at Staples, shooting 21% on threes. I do not think that holds up in this game. I think he finally breaks out. So I'll say the Lakers won by 13 and Steph gets 35 plus, but it doesn't matter because LeBron and AD get 55 plus combined. So I think that that's the edge there. So you, th- you think, you think potentially Steph, Steph and someone else could easily have 55. Well, yeah, yeah, no, no, no for sure. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm, I'm saying, I'm more so Steph, saying, if, I'm Steph? saying like, Steph, Steph, I think Steph's going to have a good game. But I think like LeBron and AD just are, are going to be there 25 to 28. And like, it, it, I mean, that's more so what, like obviously other guys will score, but it's not going to be 55-35. Um, but I'm just saying like, I, I think the stars will play well, but the Lakers, like it doesn't, because I said at the beginning of the podcast, I think that the recipe for Golden State to win is Steph has to have a big game. And I, I think he will. Yeah. I just think the Lakers are, I mean, they've blown this team out twice and the one game like what was close, but I just think there's a big talent gap between the two, in my opinion. Steph scored 57 in a loss this year, so he can have big games and losses. So uh, I also think the Lakers will win this game. I do not think it'll be by 13. I think it'll be by less than eight, and I think it will come down to the final 90 seconds. And I, I liked what Slater said earlier. I'm all in on Draymond trying to get in AD's head and trying to throw him off. So I've got at least I've, I've got a technical foul in the first half for Draymond Green. He the first technical just invigorates him to go a little bit harder cuz he's like this guy's not going to eject me. He's not going to give me number 2. So uh, a Draymond ejection will only add to the spice. This is going to be good basketball and should be good ratings. I'm you know we you know, we haven't talked about in this and in, 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 you know we talked obviously last week about about your moment with Steph Curry and and you know the would would this be good for the NBA or would the NBA be excited to have this matchup and now that it's here I mean obviously the league Assuming the Lakers don't get bounced from the from the playoffs before the playoffs even begin, the league is obviously thrilled to have you know two of their you know most visible markets and biggest stars playing in a in a sudden death type matchup. But I mean, I'm excited for it. You know, we just we just made it through a 72 game slog of a season where you know anything that you thought mattered maybe doesn't matter. I mean, LeBron misses 27 games or whatever it was. AD misses 30 games. Uh, all these little, you know, moments of, you know, oh, what's going to happen with the big man rotation kind of all goes out the window and it comes to a head in this, you know, very critical, um, you know, sudden death game for the seven seed. That is really, really compelling entertainment. You know, like I've never been a super big fan of the of the the, the wild card game in, in baseball ever since they institute, instituted that. I mean, you got a hundred and sixty some game season. And it comes down to the variables of a single game feel a little bit like that with the play-in, but at least you're not going home if you lose this yeah, game. Yeah, like win but one of it two, adds like. so much drama. It adds so much drama, and it's really compelling. And the fact that you have the defending champions sort of on the ropes 
here is good for the league because it stirs up interest, and I know I'm excited to watch it. And I think, and I think that interest and those stakes are going to raise the level of intensity and the quality of play. It's going to be good energy in Staples, and you know, you mentioned what has been a slog of a season. I mean, for a large majority of the season, there's no, not no even fans. a fan there. Right. Uh, how many people is Staples going to have? They I think they had 4,000 4, at the end now. of the regular season. How, I don't think so I went up. to a couple of the the Warriors games with fans, including that one against the Grizzlies the other day. It was good energy in there. You know, you have uh, courtside fans that, you know, Draymond's giving high fives after defensive stops. Joe Lacob's sitting there fist pumping. And then, you know, it was like there was a vac section where it was like a full section. And then, you know, spread. It's not a full arena, obviously. But it was juice in the building for a high-stakes game. How have the Staples Center games felt to you guys? And what do you expect from just environmentally on uh, uh, whatever Wednesday? I would love a vaccinated section at Staples Center. That would be that'd be awesome. Um, that hasn't happened yet, uh, to my knowledge, at least. I, you know, I think it's been better than I would have thought. You know, it's it's still pretty sparsely populated. You know, big big swaths of seats where there aren't fans, but it's been louder than I would have expected. You know, they bring a little more energy than I would have thought. I think I think when you go from zero fans to some fans, I mean, the idea of there being four thousand fans at a Lakers game pre-pandemic would have felt like you know, would have felt like a ghost town and you wouldn't have thought that 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 was bringing any energy whatsoever. But, you know, relative to what we've seen for the majority of the year, I think it has really brought, like you said, juice to, to these games. And, you know, the Lakers especially were going on the road and, and playing better on the road than at home for so much of the season, because I think they were feeding off that energy a little bit. So they have it at home. Um, It's going to be as intense as it's been, you know, all year. And, and, you know, the, the game where I felt it the most, by the way, was the Knicks game that went to overtime when the Lakers, you know, barely won that game, and you have you have Taylor Horton Tucker hitting that three over Derrick Rose, there were so many Knicks fans in the building, and it was really loud, and it was you know it just I think the, I think the Lakers fed off of that, and I think I think you'll have kind of something similar on on Wednesday, so I'm excited I'm excited for that part. To to, to Bill's point, uh, the Laker fans didn't have a lot to cheer for initially because they they started two and four at home from when they opened uh, the, the, the building back up. Um, but, but since then have gone three and zero. So, so they're, they're five and four at Staples uh, since April 15th, when they uh, allowed fans in the building. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's gotten better. I think to your point that the next game, what was the best there was actually uh, in front of uh, the, the section in, in front of me from where I was sitting at Staples. Uh, there was a, a pair of Knicks fans and a pair of Laker fans that were, talking trash all game and, and like almost got into fist fights like two or three times and it, it was really heated. So that, that was fun to watch. I felt like I was in Boston. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I think, and, and we like, there's a special, uh, there's a special energy on a, in a Steph Curry road game, right? Like every shot, the, 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 the crowd is going silent and you can kind of hear the collective breath. And um, what, one thing we didn't mention, like, I mean, there's some stuff on the line here with LeBron versus Steph uh, of just that rivalry. Um, obviously, Steph has the the finals advantage head to head, but LeBron has the uh, you know championship and and overall MVP and finals MVP advantages. But we know that there's some juice there with, with Lakers Warriors Twitter, Steph LeBron Twitter, um, and and we've seen Steph LeBron moments you know of of just. Um, them going at each other at, at, at different points in those final series. So this is just another notch in in that historic, I, I think, rivalry. Um, so I, I'm excited for that dynamic as well. Steph is LeBron's MVP. 
I I should have uh, brought that up earlier before we're about to close the podcast. I just we had a uh, we had a theory fest on the Warriors plus minus podcast of like what is LeBron's motive? What mind that? game? Yeah. Was that? Um, you know, obviously there's some people like, oh, he's trying to recruit him. It's the long-term recruitment tool. My thought was, particularly knowing Steph, Steph is a guy who sees everything on the internet, even just the Ja Morant thing that just happened, and he remembered their little social media tiff from like a year and a half ago. I thought LeBron was just trying to butter him up a little bit to, to not have Steph like fuming going into the matchup. What was your read on why the hell he said that at that time? I must just be like naive. I was just like, this is it was, just I his just opinion. It he wants to share. I, I just thought opinion, of it. Yeah. I, that's how I felt about it. I guess if we get to the second round and LeBron is like, you know, the Joker's the MVP of our league, and you know, rightly so. Like maybe maybe then there's something else to it. But like, I don't know. I mean, Steph, there is an argument that Steph could be the MVP. Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. He wouldn't be my MVP, but I mean, he's playing at an MVP level, having one of his best seasons ever. Um, you know, Draymond's made the case, like. I mean, to me, it was a respect thing, but I also maybe I'm just not conspiracy minded enough. Well, it's I, just I, I Lebr- it always that. feels like there's some reason, some motive behind. Like LeBron knows that him saying that is like yeah. immediate headline, immediate talking point, immediately on the morning shows. Like you know, he knows what he's doing. That's all it. I, I think part of it is building up the narrative of the Lakers' playoff path. Yeah, um, that's- because <laughs> you, you, you had Jared Dudley also come out and say this is going to be the hardest path. That I mean. It, like, in a way, it's like, okay, no team has ever won as a seven seed. So I guess, like, technically winning four series on the road, like that, that, but, but yeah, I mean, I think part of it was, was that. And then um, I also think what's been interesting is like, this has kind of been a recent thing over the last few years, even going back to Steph, where players of like, there's kind of been a consensus MVP originally, you know, Steph a few years ago, then it was Giannis. Then now it, it uh, Jokic. I mean, I think Jokic is going to win and, and probably win by a landslide. But then certain players will come out and kind of speak out almost against that. At, you know, the, the consensus favorite indirectly by voicing their opinion for someone else. Because with Steph, it was uh, you know, didn't James Harden win the? I think James Harden won the Players MVP one of the years that that Steph uh, or around the time they started that. Um, and then with Giannis, it was. So it might have been Harden again, kind of winning when Giannis was the consensus. Uh, and then now it's like Steph's getting this groundswell of, of uh, support. And I, I just think certain guys just probably aren't respected as much by their peers. It feels like Jokic is, is kind of in that stage right now where people are treating it like fool's gold. Steph kind of went through that. I think Giannis has gone through that. So um, I think there's also kind of that element where Le- LeBron just respects Steph more and and for some of the players, it is Steph is the MVP. Remember, they tried to push like the CP one recently. Yeah. Like Chris Paul's really the MVP, and that kind of landed flat. So I feel like they're like, all right, now let's go back to the drawing board. Let's people really Steph. don't want to give it to Jokic. Yeah, I mean, it's true. It's no. Doubt. Well, it was interesting because LeBron had LeBron had a comment that certainly merited teasing out more from him, where he said, you know, Steph should win it, but you know. He's, he's not going to win it, but you know th- that's a conversation for a different time. And it's like, oh, really? Please, please keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, that that was a, that's a good point. All right, <sighs> play. Should we reconvene I, on Thursday? You guys just have another one of these, just another marathon like autopsy. Get ready, get ready for Lakers Grizzlies on Friday. Ooh, well, hey, I'll probably be getting ready then for Warrior Suns. If you say, if you're saying that, <laughs> oh, damn. Um, 
All right, you guys. Well, this has been this has been a lot of fun. Um, thanks for a great regular season up to this point of the Forum Club. We've been here almost every week, breaking it down, kind of riding the waves of this thing, and it's been uh, it's been a journey and uh, a lot of Zoom, a lot of a lot of uh, you know a lot of time on the a lot of digital communication with one another. So it's uh, it's it's good to kind of reach one finish line and and. Uh, and start a new journey. So looking forward to the playoff run. Uh, thanks to everybody who's listened and followed along and stuck with us this long today. It's been a lot of fun. Um, thank you for listening to the Forum Club. If you missed it, Jovan had a great conversation with Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report who wrote a book uh, called Built to Lose on kind of the tanking era of the NBA. Obviously, a lot of Lakers from the last decade. Uh, a lot of fun stories to um, dig into there so make sure you give that a listen and I'm sure we'll be back with a post game podcast from Yovan on Wednesday night maybe a little Yovan Slater action I don't know I haven't been apprised of this but I'm guessing there will be something something uh, something good post game on Wednesday uh, if there wasn't planned previously it's going to happen now you just planned um, it so I appreciate <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you guys and we'll be back uh, once this play and thing sorts itself out thank you for listening <laughs>